This morning, we are going to be uh, in our second to last week in the book of Ecclesiastes. And I've loved going through Ecclesiastes for a number of reasons. And, and one of those reasons is that it, it forces me to preach. It forces us to preach things that we would never choose to preach ourselves. Um, this morning, I'm preaching on aging and dying. And that's, that isn't one of those things that, that you, you know, think ahead and um, get giddy about. It's a challenging topic, and, and yet Ecclesiastes and Solomon's view on, on the meaning of life and how with these challenging things, how with work or suffering or pleasure or whatever it is with aging and dying... Um, how, how can we find meaning in these things? How can we look at our lives and say, oh, this is purposeful, I get it now. And so this morning, we're going to be tackling uh, what it means, what, what is in the mind of God um, when we talk through aging and dying, which is something that is, um, can be very painful. Um, so pray with uh, me, pray for me as I preach um, I want to be faithful, and I want to prepare as well as a church um, for something that is, um, is a reality for all of us. So um, please be very present and pray with me while we pray, while we, I preach. Anyway, we're going to get started. <clears throat> How I'm going to start this today is I'm going to tell you guys a story. I'm going to tell you a story of um, the Bible in my hand. Um, this Bible belonged to a man uh, by the name of Albert Truman Lauer. Albert Truman Lauer um, was my grandfather. And one cool thing about this Bible is it has the, the autograph of Billy Graham in it. Because when um, Billy Graham came to Tacoma a number of years ago, uh, my grandfather was, was part of the team that helped bring him here. And, um, but what's even more cool than that it's signed by Billy Graham is the notes that are scattered throughout this whole Bible. Um, and, and this passage that we're looking at today has his notes. And as he grew older, it has his, his thoughts about what it meant. And so it was a real, it really, it continues to be a gift to me. But I want to tell you a little bit about his story, which led him to be a man who would write in his Bible. Um, as a, as a young boy, he grew up in Brooklyn, underneath the Brooklyn Bridge. His dad was a printer. I believe it was the New York Times he was a printer uh, with. And so my grandfather grew up uh, in the rough-and-tumble neighborhoods of Brooklyn. Uh, as he grew up, he gained a really uh, great love for the outdoors, and he wanted to go into forestry. But um, his grades weren't good enough to get into college for forestry, and so he went into the Air Force. Um, in the Air Force, he thrived. Uh, eventually, he um, gained high ranking and became uh, a commander that I actually have a picture in my Bible um, of um, a whole building that he was like in charge of because of his rank in the Air Force. Um, after he joined the Air Force, uh, he got stationed in Colorado where he came to know Jesus uh, because of a, um, a presentation by Moody Bible Institute on nature and how nature speaks about who God is. And the illustration that was used was there was a verse uh, in the Bible about how um, sound waves get captured by the walls. So, so when I'm speaking, literally, it's like, 
it's not just reverberating back to me by the walls, but it gets captured in them. And my grandfather got terrified by the idea that his steering wheel would someday be called to account for everything he said in the car. <laughs> and so he gave his life to Jesus. <laughs> After that, he took on the brave challenge of wooing and winning the heart of my grandmother in Tacoma, Washington. Um, after that, he entered uh, officer training school, became an officer. And, uh, and one of the cool things about this story and what I love is, is my grandfather was, was a, a man. You know, growing up, I just, I remember him, um, <laughs> you know, he always had like a crew cut and, and was just a kind of a, a man's man. Not because he was a cowboy, but because um, he was a man of his word, a man of integrity. And, uh, and I want to encourage you guys with this story. After he became a Christian, after he joined the Air Force, and just because he became a Christian didn't mean that he got soft. Um, and I want to mention that just because in the church, oftentimes people are like, oh, the church is just soft. Like, my, my grandfather was a very strong man, a man of integrity. As he, and um, and as a, a, his grandchild, what was amazing is I saw him as very capable um, he had abilities to do anything, really, like build houses or work in his lawn. But what he, he chose to do with his life was he allowed God to work on him. And, um, and about, I think, eight or nine years before he passed away, two years ago, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, um, which, with that, gradually slowed down his ability to do things. Um, his ability to grasp things. And, and in that, instead of becoming bitter, he became tender. And, and we got to see a side of my grandfather that, that I didn't necessarily see growing up. Um, instead of being more withdrawn, I saw him more observant, um, watching his grandchildren or his family as they gathered together, asking more questions about my life than he ever had before. Um, I remember things that he would do, like we'd be at a lake together, and, and after the Parkinson's had, had slowed him down so much, I remember him like diving off the dock, and everyone being like, no, don't do it! <laughs> because he just was very, very much um, a courageous man. Um, he died at, at an, an old age, um, full of years, um, the interesting thing with that, and the interesting thing about aging and dying, is that even though he lived a very full life, um, we would still say it was too soon, right? Um, his life was by no means cut short. I mean, even with Parkinson's, he fought Parkinson's way longer than most people fight Parkinson's. Um, and yet still we would say, man, if only he could have been with us uh, just a little longer, Solomon, in tackling the issue of aging and dying, um, I, think, I think helps us. Um, and in our culture, we need help talking about this. Uh, my, one of my first classes in seminary was a class on Christian ethics. And there was a, um, one of my classmates was a doctor in Everett, Washington. And, and she said to me, and this has really stuck with me, she said, um, in the medical field, one of the least talked about things is how to prepare people for death. All we know how to do is try to keep them alive. 
We try to give them hope. Maybe you have two weeks. Maybe you have three. Maybe you have more. But, but they, she goes, we just don't know how the conversation that you will at some point die. Um, so how do, we, how do we have that conversation as a people? Um, and so we will have that conversation today. So if you have your Bibles, um, please open them to Ecclesiastes. Um, I'm going to be reading from the NIV. Starting in chapter 11, verse... Nine. It says, Be happy, young man, while you are young. Let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. So then, banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body. For youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of the grinding fades, When men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. When men are afraid of heights and of dangers in the street. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags himself along and desire no longer is stirred. Then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about on the street. Remember him before the silver cord is severed or the golden bowl is broken. Before the pitcher is shattered at the spring or the wheel broken at the well. And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. There's three things I want to look at here, here, um, and, um, and what's within those. The first is we're just going to look at um, the meaning of youth, the meaning of being young. Um, the second is the meaning found in aging um, and dying. And the third is the unique Christian approach to this. Um, the first is youth. Uh, there's something very, very unique about youth. Um, if you are young, you might not realize it because you're living in this time where, where what you think you typically can do as far as abilities. I'm going to jump over this chair. I don't know why you would, but you think of stupid things like that, right? And you can do that, right? When I was thinking about this, I looked at the average age of the Olympic gymnast. Throughout the history of the United States, the average age put together of all all the gymnasts is 16. Um, The last London Olympics, the Chinese team was mocked as being old because the average age was 19 and a half. Right? And, and that just shows the, the abilities and vigor that is, is captured in youth, where you still have possession uh, of, of abilities that, that, as you grow older, maybe won't be there for you. Um, and Solomon, as he's writing, encourages us to do just that, to run, to jump, to enjoy, to participate in the life. What he calls things that are, are pleasing to the eye, right? Um, 
enjoy the time God has given you. Um, enjoy each part of it, is what Solomon is saying here. Um, enjoy the time you're in. Because so, so often, we only think of what's next. Unfortunately, with youth, we don't think of aging when we think of what's next. We just think of maybe the next opportunity. And so we're kind of blind to, to what eventually will be. But what Solomon's saying is, he, he is saying, man, what you have the ability to do, use your abilities now. Consider them treasures, right? Your health. Um, don't waste it playing video games. Side note. The second thing he's talking about is this. The opportunities that you have. In, in verse 9 of chapter 11, he says this. He says, follow your heart. Um, which... Which I think is incredible advice because of this. Because when you are a young man or a young woman, you do have tremendous opportunities. Opportunities that won't be present for you later on. Whether it's early on saying, well, what will I do after high school? What will I do in high school? Right? What will I study if I go to college? What will my first job be? Those are opportunities that are unique to the time in your life. And what Solomon is saying here is is use them. There's this beautiful scene in, in the movie uh, Dead Poet Society where Robin Williams, they're, they're, they're lined up by this trophy case and, and he goes, lean in, boys, and they all lean in. And he goes, listen, and they all go like this. And he goes, And they all go like this. And what carpeting means is seize the day. And that's, that's what Solomon is saying here. He goes, you have opportunities. Take advantage of those opportunities. That's a good thing, and that is a blessing of youth. That is not to be confused with this Peter Pan mentality that, that we um, are given to today, also known as YOLO, right? Which is, uh, <laughs> YOLO means you only live once. So, so Peter Pan mentality is, I just want to stay young forever. And so what that, what that tends towards is a, a prolonged adolescence, right? Where we never learn how to mature. We never know how to grow up. We never know how to be what the guy that, that some of us would say our grandfathers were, right? And, and what we want to do is we want to hold on to this, this seeming opportunity that, that is vanishing um, that we aren't being honest with ourselves about. And so, so how do we awaken from that sort of stupidity? How do we, even as we grow up or grow old or move into the next phase of life, aren't just longing for the bygone days of old? And, and what Solomon says here is this. Remember your creator. Remember your creator. And there's this, there's this beautiful thing that... Um, in Latin, it's, it, it's Momentum Marie. And Momentum Marie actually spawned this whole uh, art genre. But Momentum Marie in Latin means remember your death. Um, the story behind this is when, when the Romans were, were conquering cities, the, the general that would conquer a city would ride into town and they would have, kind of like when we won the Super Bowl last year, um, and, and people just throng to Seattle, right? 
3.5 million people went over there. Um, what would happen when a Roman general would go back into the city, he would have a servant sit behind him in his chariot saying this, look behind you, remember that you are but a man, remember that you will die. Remember your creator. Solomon offers these two things. He says, um, in verse uh, 9, but know that for all these things, for all the, all the abilities and health and pleasure that you can have, that you can take advantage of, he says, but know that for all these things, God will bring you to judgment. Just like when my grandfather heard that, that the sound would be captured in these walls and he gave his life to Jesus because he realized that, that everything that he did was meaningful. And someday his life would be called account for all those things. Right? Remember that, that you have health and you have abilities, but remember that the one who created you also will sit as judge over you. But the hope in this message is that you know exactly, exactly what he's expecting from you. But one of the most frustrating things is when I talk to Christians, people who, who should or say they do honor the word of God, and they pretend like God has not said anything final about the way they should live. Because what we have in this book is God saying, look, I created you, and this is how you should, this is how you should live. This is how you should use your health and your vigor and, and the passion of your young days. Use it in this way. Because there's this beautiful thing in the Bible where, where Jesus, in, in John 14, he says, and if you love me, you will What? You will keep my commandments. You will obey my commandments. Not if, you will, if you love me, then you will occasionally give me time every once in a while. Right? Hey, once a month's great. Right? Yeah, just 10% of what, what you make. Just give that to me and, and we're cool. No. No, Jesus says, if you love me, what will you do? You will keep my commands. You will, you will honor the word that I have given you. So how do you use your youth? Well, you've been given instructions about how to use your youth. We have a lot of young people here, right? And, and for you, realize that with your health and your passions, that you have guidance for that. You are not, you are not walking in this hazy, foggy land, right? Because His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, and it guides us where we should go and how we should live. And it shows us the good life that isn't just good now, but it's good even as we age and move towards our inevitable end, our death. Take this serious. That's what Solomon's saying. He's saying, man, youth is a beautiful thing, but it can be squandered. It can be wasted. You can use your years now in such a way that you get done with them and you look back and you say, meaningless. Sure, I did, what, I did whatever my heart desired, but, but what did I do? I'm more lonely now than I ever have been before because I didn't build anything. 
all the, all the, all the things God gave me, I didn't use those at all. And so, so Solomon is speaking to that, man, and I, I encourage us to hear. The life of aging, how does he speak to that? Read this with me, and we're going to talk through it, because he gets fairly metaphorical here, and, and it is, it's brilliant. And, and immediately as I read this, I, I understood it, because I remember talking with my grandfather about this, and him explaining what each of these looked like. So here it says, before the sun and the light, this is verse 2 of chapter 12, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. He's talking about aging here, and we know that because up in verse 7, he talks about light is sweet and pleases the eye. And then he goes on, let him remember the days um, of darkness, for they will come, right? So, so we know here that he's talking about aging, And then he goes into verse 3. He says, And the keeper of the house tremble. What does he mean here? Well, he means that that as you age, the man you once were, feeling so capable to defend and protect what's yours, you're no longer that man. You're no longer that person. Someone breaks into your house, you don't feel as able as you once did to defend it. So the keeper of the house trembles. And the strong men stoop. It means that those legs that you want once used to run and play and frolic with, they get tired. You can't stand. Right? You get arthritis. All those things that, that you maybe feel, if you're young, that, that will never happen to you. All of a sudden, the strong men, no matter how strong he was, no matter how much hours he spent in the gym, no matter how many miles he ran, the strong men will stoop. And the grinders cease because they are few. So this, um, my grandfather understood it to be his teeth. <laughs> the grinders are few. <laughs> I, think, I think this can be teeth or just the reality of as you grow older, those people you worked alongside, they aren't there. You get, you get to a certain age, and remember so-and-so? Yeah, they passed away a couple of years ago. Remember, oh, remember, remember working with so-and-so? Oh, you know? And, and the grinders become fewer and fewer and fewer. And those looking through the windows grow dim. Um, our eyes, that have been our trusty guides throughout life, um, grow dim, and we're not as able to see what is around us. When the doors of the, sh- of the street are closed and the sound of the grinding fades. The doors of the street are closed. Um, my grandfather understood that to be the lips. <laughs> that you're just quieter the older you get. Um, I think that also um, can refer to um, just that you don't go out as much. Right? The older you get, you're not... You know, hanging out with the buds late at night. Right? You get tired, you want to go home, you just maybe feel more enclosed in. And the sound of grinding fades, that your hearing will slowly fade. A couple of years ago, we talked about this, my dad lost hearing in one of his ears. And it was, I know it was very hard for him, it was hard for the whole family, though. You I mean, you realize that the things that you have, as they, as they change and they're taken away, can be a very sad thing. The men rise at the sound of the birds. It means you get less sleep. 
right? The older you get. The smallest sound wakes you up. But all their songs grow faint. When men are afraid of heights and the dangers in the street, as you walk around, you realize that the smallest curb that you used to just stand, step up on, that curb becomes a all of a sudden this big height for you. My grandfather, especially as Parkinson's, took over his body. I remember when we'd visit him, he'd have a bruise here. Or like, you know, he was, he'd get scraped up because something he'd easily do before, all of a sudden... The dangers in the streets were simply like a small pothole, which before you just catch your balance easily, and all of a sudden you can't do that. And the almond tree blossoms, which refers to the graying of the hair, right? That your hair um, turns into, this is a very optimistic view of looking at it, um, blossoming. Um, and the grasshopper drags himself around. Um, Meaning that there's just slowness of action. Uh, and desire is no longer stirred, the appetites of all kinds. So moving from what youth means and the health in it, you get to the aging and this process of, of finding that your health is fading. What's incredible about this is we don't talk about these things very much. Um, I don't think we often even encourage one another with these things, even how to use the, the place you are in life now because, <laughs> because your body will change over the years. After talking about health, he then talks about nearness of death, and he talks about it in these four ways. He says the silver cord will be severed, the golden bowl is broken, the pitcher is shattered at the spring, the wheel is broken at the well. All these things in their own way refer to what was just talking about, what he was just talking about. In the fading of your strength, in the fading of your health and your vitality, there will come a point when those things then aren't just weakening, but they break. Whether, whether it's your heart that fails or your mind that fails, whatever that is, this is what he's talking about in this section what struck me about this earlier is I've already mentioned my grandfather's Parkinson's and the movie Dead Poet Society um, is the story of Robin Williams, known as the funny man of America. Um, he, was, he, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and, and he chose to end his own life because of this. With the, with the nearness of death and what that would mean for him, he chose rather than continuing to live to take his own life. This is a sobering reality, right? We can, just, we can talk about these things and we can talk about aging and then the finality of death. But how do we interact with these things? Because what, how we interact with these things in our culture is, is two ways. One is we, we have completely put, I believe, completely put our, our idea of salvation into the hands of medicine. We, we, eventually they will find a cure for this. Eventually, we will find our own fountain of youth, which the knights of old sought. Now we have people in laboratories seeking the very same thing, thinking that someday, maybe, we will conquer this thing called death by our own abilities. Maybe that can be our hope. And so we, we put everything there. And we don't know how to encourage people as they grow old. And we don't know how to encourage people as they near death because our hope is in prolonging it. Maybe, maybe we'll find something that will give you two more years. 
And we, we haven't known because we've, we've held on to this idea that, that we ultimately can be saved by our own devices. And we will never save ourselves from this by our own devices. We can't. But what we can do is we can remember him. That's what it says here. It doesn't just say remember your creator in the days of your youth. It says remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden, the golden bull is broken. You can do this in a couple ways. One is that, that you can take advantage of the opportunities you have been given. And I know some of you, some of us, will not take advantage of the opportunities that have been given to us. I, I hope not. But, but there is the, the possibility of living in ignorance by purposefully ignoring the reality that we're talking about here. And this is very sobering. We ignore it, we ignore it, we ignore it, and so we live in this life of ignorance. And so we don't take seriously what is incredibly serious, which is God has given you opportunities. Both because of the gifts he's given you, to not be selfish with, but to invest in others around you, and opportunities to also walk in relationship with him. And because we have this idea of our, our Peter Pan life, which I will forever be young, we, we put off how serious it is of loving and serving God. I think one of the things Solomon talks about here and has talked about throughout Scripture is this. In your youth, don't forget God because you think you're invincible, but you are not. And, and we ignore the opportunities God's given us to love and serve and care for the people around us, to build community, to plant our roots deep, right? So if, if you are... Anywhere in your life right now, take the, take the time. Because you will look back on your life and you will say, was it meaningful? Did I take advantage of the opportunities that were given to me? Did I do that? And if you say, yes, I did, you will see something that others won't see. Because either way, God is faithful. Whether you say yes and take advantage of the opportunities, or you say no or live by your own choosing, God is faithful. But what, what will you do? What will your part be? Will you say yes or will you say no? Because in re- remembering him, we remember our nearness to him. We have a nearness to him both because he's given us the opportunity to walk with him day by day now. But in remembering that death will come, there is a nearness to God that we will experience. For some of us, that will be a nearness to God that will bring joy. And for some of us, it will be a nearness to God that brings absolute terror. For the Christian, approaching this, we approach it in a very strange way. And, and this is how we approach it. As, as people who have, get this, and this is like the twist, <laughs> as people who have already died. In Galatians 2.20 it says this, I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. 
I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. But the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself up for me. That is now my life. That is now my existence. Is that your life? Is that your existence? I have been crucified with Christ. Now the life that I have is hidden in him, in the immortality of Jesus Christ that he won with his death and resurrection on the cross. And that's just that's a different life. That gives a different view of death. In, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says this. It says, The perishable, these bodies we live in, that will slow down and age and grow, that will hurt in ways we never thought they would. It says, The perishable must clothe itself with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is law. But thanks be to God, He gave us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a different view of death. It's one where death no longer has sting, or death no longer has victory or fear. And I saw this. There's a difference between Robin Williams and my grandfather. There's a difference that the perspective they took with their Parkinson's disease. And this is hard to hear. And this is a hard message. But for one, it brought despair because all it meant for Robin Williams was that he was losing all he had. Was his ability to make people laugh. That's it's all he had. There was despair in that. For my grandfather, what did that Parkinson's mean for him? It was an ability for him to grow tender and draw near to those he was around, his family, and draw near to God, who had been faithful to him and would continue being faithful to him to the very end. There's a difference. For one, death had sting, and he sought death early. For the other one, death no more longer had sting. Death no longer had victory over him. And that, that is the message that we hold to as Christians. Is death something you fear? Or is death something that you see Jesus claimed victory over with by his death and resurrection? I've been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. But the life I now live, this life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That is the life of a Christian. And when you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself up for you, instead of the refrain of Song of Solomon, Song of, uh, sorry, Ecclesiastes, the refrain of Ecclesiastes which says, meaningless, meaningless, chasing after the wind, you will look back on your life and you will say, meaningful. Because I've said yes to the opportunities that God has put before me. And that does not minish the, the excitement and the joys of youth. It shows you to value them, because that's a good part of your life. But as you grow older and those other, the other parts take hold of your life, things that you can't control necessarily are now included in your life, what kind of person will you be? And I encourage you guys with all my heart to be people who say yes and take advantage of the opportunity God is putting before you to walk with him. What can we do as a church to apply this? I've told you how to do it as an individual. What do we do as a church? And this is it. I, 
I want to commit with you guys to grow old together. What does that look like? We, we live in a culture where we, we are inconsistent. <laughs> we, we, we use something up until it gives us no more joy and we leave. That's, that's the culture of churches even. What does it look like for a people to commit to one another and grow up together, to grow old together, whatever age you're at? To say, these are my people. And that there's something special in that, something that can't be taken away from you in that. Right? So I challenge you guys as a church to be the people who will walk together. It is not easy to be a church. It's not easy when you come in and you start. What does it look like to start coming here and maybe, maybe feel like you don't have anything in common? What does it look like to be the person who says to someone else, I need you in my life? Not just wait for them to come in and invite you in, but say, hey, I need you guys. That's the, that is what God offers us in in his people, is people learning, learning to do that together. Because we are his body. Right? Growing up into head, the head that is Jesus Christ, looking forward together to one day being reunited with him in a place where there are no more tears, there are no more aching bones. And the best way to do that is together. The best way to do that is together. So I challenge you guys, commit yourself to one another as you commit yourself to follow Jesus Christ, and you will live an extraordinary life. Um, as we go into a time of worship, we're going to take communion together. And as it says, remember God in the days of your youth, and, and remember him when you were older, um, communion is an act of remembrance. We do it every week. And, and I ask you today, when you take communion... To know that you are not just committing to Jesus, but you're committing to his people. When you, when you love God, you're not just called to love him, you're called to love his family. And that's, that's you guys. So as you take communion, I encourage you not just to recommit yourself to following him, but recommit yourself to, to living life together with one another and figuring out what that means, even when it's challenging. So, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to worship together. <laughs> Father, I think in the, the Psalms how it says, teach us to number our days so we can live with wisdom. And none of us know the number that will be given, but I just pray for this people for, for me and all of us together, that we will take your offer to live with you seriously. And we will do that passionately for all the number of days we've been given. God, we love you. And I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.